Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Red Sky at Night, Sailor's Delight in the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that asks, what's our clearance, Clarence? And now, wondering when his hover car will be ready to buy, it's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us at the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. This is another beautiful, sunny Arizona day. I'm staring out the window as I think of something to say to you, and I just couldn't be happier to have you joining us. Uh, my Canadian nephew, uh, Drew McMillan, did the introduction, so kudos to you, Drew. Drew has volunteered to read the next edition of my audiobook. And uh, Randy, I've, I've uh, asked Randy for some advice about that, and he said, well, you shouldn't trade off chapters with him. It should be one of you or the other, so there's some consistency. So I'm thinking about approaching Drew and asking him how many uh, cocktails he had before he volunteered to do that work, because if he had not too many cocktails in him, then I'm thinking he was a sincere request and he's looking forward to doing it. Uh, so that's what I'm uh, thinking about today. But what you should be thinking about is Medicare. The reason we're all here is because for some reason or other, we have an interest in Medicare. We might be approaching Medicare at age 63-ish, wondering what's coming up in the future. We might be getting really, really close to making those Medicare decisions at, say, age 64 and a half. We might be in the process of finding out whether I am a uh, suitable source for your insurance agent duties. And this would be when you're about 64 and three quarters or more, or you might be older than that. You might be in your late sixties. You might have worked at a company that provides you with uh, health insurance and you might have stayed on that plan, which means you didn't need anything about Medicare when you turned 65. I get that question all the time from people. I'm turning 65, and I want to know what to do about Medicare. Well, that's kind of an open-ended question. But then you find out that they are working for a company. They have no intention of retiring, and they have an excellent health insurance plan that they're happy with, and the cost is very minimal. I say don't do a thing about Medicare. Just stay on your company plan as long as you want to. And then call me when you decide it's time to get off of your company plan, whatever the reason might be. And so that is why there are all kinds of people interested in Medicare, and many of them may have tuned in today. I like to think they have anyway. So I recommend for everyone in these categories to purchase my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. Since a lazy man wrote it, you know it's not going to be long, taxing, and and boring, and, and uh, draining of your energies. It's going to be a fairly short, snappy, spiffy, uh, lively read. 
and it will tell you what you need to know about Medicare. Probably about 95% of what you need to know, or there are a few people that come up with questions that I haven't thought of to answer, and I don't want to make it too ponderous, so I'm not going to answer every possible question. Otherwise, it'll be just like Medicare for Dummies, 424 pages. And I don't think you want to do that. So what we have is a book that's really easy to deal with, but will yet turn you into a Medicare expert. And that book is available at barnesandnoble.com or at amazon.com. And if you go to amazon.com, it's available in four different variations. This would be the uh, hardcover book, which is suitable for gifting. And that's, by the way, on sale now uh, is the 2022 version with the green numbers across the cover. And if you want to buy a useful gift for your loved ones or your friends or neighbors or relatives, then that would be the thing to buy. You also could buy the paperback version, which is about half the cost of that hardcover. And uh, the paperback is about $8. If you buy the uh, Kindle version. If you've got a, one of these electronic readers and you want them to load that book into it for you, then that's going to cost you about $3.80. And then, of course, you might want to listen to me read the book. Oh, boy, pretty exciting stuff. That's going to be fairly inexpensive, too. So if any of those four appeals to you and you need to learn about Medicare and it's time for you to do something about that learning process? Well, I would suggest buying my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022. And very soon I'll be announcing the publication of Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. So we have, uh, again, survived another horrendous, sunny, magnificently beautiful Arizona morning. And I'm going to ask Randy Carson how he feels about uh, his uh, life in Arizona today. Randy, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm 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 just awesomely cool. I'm I'm happy. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm looking out the window. <laughs> there's sun. The only thing that I can the, just complain about at all is it's freaking cold. It really is. It's a nightmare here for those of us who are thinned out. <laughs> our blood is uh, like water almost. Then uh, this is not. In fact, we went out to dinner with a couple the other night. I told you about my uh, math problem, my math uh, uh, failure in which I made a new friend, the waitress. She, almost, <laughs> she wanted to follow me home. I gave her such a huge tip for you know a medium-sized check. But um, when we got outside, um, the other couple said, okay, see ya. Goodbye. And they ran into their car. <laughs> yeah. Why? What's you in a hurry for? Oh, never mind. Never. It's too cold. Yeah. So, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like in the con, Doug and I are both, uh, you know, gearheads, uh, love cars and anything to do with them. So in the world of, you know, people living in Arizona, we live at, you know, probably at about a Oh, maybe, maybe a 5W5 oil level, you know, for blood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> it's uh it's runny. I mean, we cut ourselves and it it runs out quite a while before it it uh, congeals or coagulates. Um, I will say though that up north there's an interesting phenomenon that occurs that I still have trouble getting used to. I grew up in Illinois. My parents, as you know, kidnapped me and dragged me up north from Oklahoma. And so I grew up in Illinois, not too far from Chicago. And statistically, the coldest time of the year is 30 days after the winter solstice. And so 
January 21st-ish is statistically the coldest time of the year. When you come to Arizona and you, you get a good day like this, when you go, how long can this torture continue? You get out the statistics and the coldest month of the year in Arizona is December, not January. I would believe it because I, I kid you not. Now, everybody listening to the podcast, I want you to take a breath and put a smile on your face because you're going to go, you guys are complaining about absolutely nothing. Sissies. Let me point, yeah, let, let me let me point out how cold it is in Arizona. It's called I call it Arizona freezing, and it's fifty. Oh, boy, and yesterday it was even colder. I think the high was forty-eight degrees yesterday, and we've got a um, a patio that never ever sees sunshine, and it is uh, our our remote. Uh, thing is out there that tells our indoor thermometer what the temperature is. And it is always cold on that thing. Even on a hot day when it's 110 degrees, it's a lot colder on that patio because it's the perfect environment for an actual temperature shaded from the sun. And it's Mm -hmm. never had the heat of the sun, so it doesn't have to wait for it to to, uh, cool off. And it's like a science experiment right in my backyard. Well, you know, you know how my house is situated, right? Yes. Okay. So the the pool and everything else is on the west side. Right. During the hottest part of the year, it you go out there, it's like the surface of the sun. But the cool thing is that's where your pool should be. If you're going to have a pool in Arizona, and you know that dump it, jumping into that pool and then getting out is going to cause the water to evaporate and steal all of your body heat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even in the summertime, it's going to be best if you're in the sun, if you're on the sunny side of the house. Now, here's the other you know, people that have no knowledge or little knowledge of Arizona. Here's the other crazy thing. Because the humidity is so low that you can jump into the pool in the evening and it's still 110 degrees out. But and you get out of the pool and it evaporates the water off your body so quickly you begin shivering. Yes, it's uh, easy to get really, really uncomfortably cold. Now, it won't last long. Because once that water is gone from your body, it's uh, back to uh, starting to sweat again. <laughs> yeah, as soon as the steam quits rising off your body, you better get moving into the shade. Otherwise, yeah. your feet are going to get welded to the pool deck. Right. And if you live in Tucson, it's uh, fun for some people to uh, swim because it's warm enough to swim. And then to hop in their car and drive for an hour up to the top of Mount Lemon, where you can ski if there's been snow up there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never, no, I never found it that fun. <laughs> well, it, you know, so, okay, if you want to do something weird, that would be it. But I'm sitting there going, do I really want to climb Mount Lemon and ski that bad when I just got out of the nice warm weather? Right now, the last time I went up to Mount Lemon, I was leading a group of mid-year Corvettes. Uh, Because we were on one of our Corvette trips. I said, hey, come to Arizona. It was very convenient for me not to have to drive across the North American continent to join these guys in the trip that they were planning. So I planned the trip and we convened at a casino, an Indian casino outside of Flagstaff, 22 miles east of Flagstaff. And uh, we had a nice couple of days there really high-end joint, and the prices were pretty good. And they asked us to keep the Corvettes under their giant uh, canopy, their their um, portico, for the enjoyment of their other guests that were coming and going. So then we drove from uh, there down to, we drove down through Oak Creek Canyon, 
and convened in Cave Creek at the uh, Carefree Inn. And uh, the weather turned on us big time. It was uh, nasty. It was rainy and and cold and nasty, and um, that lasted for two or three days, I think. And so what happened was, so this, the occasional cold snap in Arizona is highly uncomfortable, and we don't like it. I don't know what to do about it, but that's uh, just the thing we have to put up here. Ooh, and I talked about the weather in Illinois. Hmm. I should stop thinking out loud. Here's what we have today. Some good news. We've been beating up on Medicare Advantage plans, and I dearly love to do that, but it might be that the audience doesn't feel the same vitriol that we feel about Medicare Advantage plans and what they're doing to our treasury, what they're doing to the people who they insure. And so I thought occasionally I should take some time off and maybe talk about some other developments in the world of Medicare. And that would include any kind of health stuff that Medicare people are concerned about, one of which is if you've got a plan with a Medicare Advantage type of HMO or PPO, then you have to be concerned about the doctors and hospitals that are in your network. And often I read about the negotiations going on with some of the uh, Medicare Advantage companies to illustrate the fact that if you buy a Medicare Advantage plan, it doesn't really, you can't do anything to stop this. It can change on you in the middle of the year, and you'll find yourself holding the bag. Uh, in this case, here's an announcement with uh, the uh, Aetna company. Aetna is a big, big, big insurance company and they sell medicare advantage crap all over the place and so i just got an announcement from etna yesterday contract negotiations with community health care system we would like to keep you updated on the contract negotiations between etna and community health care system the contracts currently have a termination date of january 15th this includes community hospital in munster indiana St. Catherine's Hospital in East Chicago, Indiana, St. Mary Medical Center in Hobart. The people that live in Hobart call it Hobart. Community Stroke and Rehabilitation Center in Crown Point. Community Care Network, Inc., Hartsfield Village. Community Home Care and St. Mary Home Care. Members who have utilized any of these providers in the last six months are being notified of this issue as well. Both parties continue to work through negotiations. We are hopeful that we will come to an agreement in the near future so that community health care systems remains a participating provider in the Aetna Medicare network. Well, this is illustrative of why I advise people not to get a Medicare Advantage plan because you're, you might have it because you like the doctors that you've been dealing with and you want to continue to do that. So you've signed up during AEP, which ended on December 7th, and here comes this um, notification dated December 13th that if your doctors are one of these uh, many facilities I just uh, uh, listed, then your plan is all of a sudden going to be something you hadn't bargained on. Your doctor is going to go away. And the only choice you have is if you want to continue seeing the doctor or visiting that hospital or whatever, is you're going to have to pay for it yourself. Otherwise, you're going to have to find new providers. In fact, the bean counters that do all of the the um, ciphering at these Medicare Advantage plans are going to choose a new doctor for you. And God forbid that you see more than one doctor at any of these locations 
Because if the contract negotiations fall through, you're going to have to do some drastic uh, water uh, pedaling, backpedaling, in order to find new providers that are willing to handle your particular medical situations if you have one. So this is um, indicative of what can happen if you buy a Medicare Advantage plan, and then they try to pull the rug out from under you. I hope those negotiations go through for the benefit of the people that they're uh, trapped. But those people are trapped for another year. They have the right to change their provider list anytime they want to or anytime they need to. You don't have the right to go to a new plan just because your doctor is taken away from you. You've got to stick with the plan that you bought uh, for the rest of the year until next year at this time. So uh, here's some interesting news. <clears throat> this is not necessarily good news, but, you know, you, all these screening services that people advertise, and I know that they're profitable money-making businesses because when they advertise that they'll screen you for all kinds of diseases and notify you of anything they find that might be indicative of a dread disease. And what are we all afraid of? Aside from heart disease, we're all afraid of cancer. Well, it says here, in this article from CNN, who is not, I'm not a big fan of CNN by any stretch of the imagination, uh, only 14% of diagnosed cancers in the United States are detected by screening, according to this report. A small proportion of all diagnosed cancers in the U.S. are detected by screening with a recommended screening test, according to a new report. The recommended diagnosed cancers tend to be found when somebody has symptoms. Oh, excuse me. The remaining diagnosed cancers. In other words, when somebody's diagnosed with cancer, it's not likely that they were diagnosed because of a planned screening. In other words, everything's okay, but let's make sure you don't have any cancer uh, that you're not aware of yet. Only 14% are discovered that way. One out of seven. The remaining diagnosed cancers tend to be found when somebody has symptoms or seeks imaging or medical care for other reasons. This is a report from the University of Chicago. I was shocked that only 14% of cancers were detected by screening. I think for many people, we talk so much about cancer screening that we imagine that that's how all cancers are diagnosed. We talk about mammograms and colonoscopies all the time. Uh, yet the vast majority of cancer types don't have screening tests available. There are just four types of cancer that have screening tests recommended for use by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, and that's breast cancer, cervical cancer, colorectal, and lung cancer. Um, so uh, let's see. The percent of cancers detected by screening varies across those types. For breast cancer, it's 61% of breast cancers apparently are detected by the screening, 52% of cervical cancers, 45% of colorectal. You mean every time I have to have a colonoscopy, they only find they only have a 45% chance. I think that's what that means. And then 3% of lung cancers are detected by screening. The report also includes data on prostate cancer, even though screening for prostate cancer is not broadly recommended. And the data suggests that 77% of prostate cancers are detected by screening. Hmm. The report, which has not been published in a peer-reviewed journal, well, that could be something to worry about. Uh, it's based on data from 2017. But it was said that since then, studies have shown that the <clears throat> rates of cancer screenings declined during the early days of the COVID-19 panic. 
This uh, author suspects that the percentage of cancers detected by screening could now be even lower than what was found in the new report. I definitely think the percentage of cancers detected by screening would have been lower as a result of the panic. We know that people missed a tremendous number of recommended screenings, and we are seeing those cancers showing up at later stages in clinical settings. So with the reduction in screenings, we get fewer cancers diagnosed that way, and that is certainly something that would pick up the data. So anyway, this goes on and on and on, but it's uh, something for us to keep in mind that cancer is not that easy to find, even with a screening. So one of these trailers pulls up in your neighborhood, and they're, uh, they got people lined up waiting to be screened for various cancers. Uh, probably not uh, as effective as we would like. And so we spent so much time complaining about uh, the Arizona uh, cold snap, Randy. My clock tells me that we've uh, probably run out of time. You are absolutely right. Uh, the actual truth of the matter is, is that we have 47 seconds left. So I am going to use that 47 seconds to do our wrap-up like we normally do. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Without, you know, you could be doing 50, 56, maybe even 100 different things, but you weren't. You spend a little bit of your life with us listening to Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, which we certainly appreciate because without you, it's just near really not as much fun. You know, when we have listeners, it's a whole lot more fun than when we're just talking to ourselves. So ultimately, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. The time you have spent today is 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's residing in the high mountain altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona, watching over the city and making sure that it is safe from Medicare Advantage zombies. Don't forget to rate and review. Bye-bye.